0: 7 o'clock on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff. of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you. If that liquor store doesn't have Primetime, Demand it or just request
1: it. Or you can go to the brewery to see how it's made. Jason? We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Kintec, that's what.
0: Big news out of Columbus this morning. Long-time general manager Yarmo Kekalainen sacked. He's out as the GM in Columbus. Almost 10 years to the day, he was hired on February 13th, 2013, taking over from... So years 11 years. All oh, right. It's 2014. Almost 11 years. It's uh, 2024. What did I say? 2014. Did wow. not get it. Didn't get any of that right. Uh, do you remember who he took over from? Do you remember uh, who the old GM was? The
1: <laughs> old general manager. No, I don't. Actually. Scott Housen. Oh, right. Remember okay. him? Yeah.
0: Anyway. No, uh, not... not uh, Not much. Yeah, like I remember he was there. Not well. I think he was the guy that traded Rick Nash. Rick Nash. That was his big claim to fame. Okay. So what are they going to do now? I have no idea. Whoever takes over this job, and it is going to be president of Hockey Ops, uh, John Davidson, on an interim basis, Mm -hmm. inherits a complete mess. You've got uh, one of the more onerous contracts in the
1: NHL, I'd say, in Johnny Gaudreau. You've got... Wait, well, hold on, hold on. Has it gotten to that point now? 100%. We, we, apparently we say 100% too much, and Luke Gazdick was a 100% guy. That's why I said it. Right. Me and Luke are 100% guys. 100%, I'm say, 100% of the time. I'm going to say 98% on that one. Fair. Like you there's could... like there's a chance that someone could use a player. Someone could use a player like, like, like him. but Johnny Goodrill. But at that price tag and that term? Cap hit of almost $10 million. Uh, after this season, he'll have five years left, and he is 30 years old. And his po- point totals on this team. Remember, a few years ago, he had 115 points in 82 games for the Calgary Flames. Now, yep. granted, he had far better line mates in Matthew Kuchuk and uh, Elias Lindholm, current Canuck Elias Lindholm, but he has <laughs> seven goals in 52 games and just 28 assists. I'm gonna bro- and since we're bringing back plus minus, he's minus 21, right uh, 35 points in 52 games. So he's on pace for what, like 60 points or something like that. Maybe could, could you make could you make the
0: argument or a suggestion that Johnny Gaudreau might be a um, might be lacking motivation
1: a little bit? That yeah. he might
0: just be just playing hockey and making money. Like that-
1: I I still think he's leading the team in points. So on a team like Columbus, where you, yeah, he is right. Mm-hmm. And the second place guy is the defenseman with Zach Wierenski with 30 points in 40 games. So he was out for a bit. He was yep. hurt. Um, but so on a better team, his point total is going to get some inflation. A lot of point totals are inflated on good teams because if you put the hands, put you either get better line mates or if you just like you're going to rack up second assists just by making regular plays in the mm-hmm. offensive zone or even in the defensive zone. But Johnny Gaudreau, I think a lot of people had some questions when he went to Columbus about how serious he is for, you know, how serious he is about winning because he went to Columbus yeah. uh, and now Columbus will be in a situation where maybe it actually doesn't really matter to them because it's going to take so long for them to build up that his contract might just expire by the time that they're ready to really roll. Sure. Because it takes a while, but at the same time, you're paying this guy a lot of money on a team where revenues aren't through the roof. It was not long ago that the Columbus Blue Jackets were parading around their signing of Johnny Hockey and the fact that he chose Columbus and the fact that, you know, we are a destination that players want to go to. And I think this is going to mean a lot for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it's going to show others that Columbus is not a backwater city in the NHL. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. It's quiet. Schools are good. I don't know. Johnny's like, I chose Columbus, so I wouldn't have to try.
0: They're like, wait, wait, what? What? (laughs) It's on the billboard (laughs) when you come into town. Here's the thing, though,
1: and the interesting thing is that for— He's also got a full no-move clause, so he's going to be in control of wherever he goes if they do ask him to go, and if he does say yes. I'd like to exercise the no-move part of that
0: no-move clause. Okay, here's the thing that I find really interesting. The dynamic at play with Columbus for the longest time has been that they feel, as an organization, that they need to push back against the negative connotations and perceptions of the city and the market, right? That's pretty fair. Torts, when he was in there, it was, like, it was us against the world. Like No one likes Columbus. No one respects us. Yarmo's always talking about like the things you mentioned. We have great school districts, and everything is safe. We have a lot of green spaces and affordable real estate. The interesting thing about all of that is none of those efforts have gone towards making them a functional hockey franchise. Like that is almost the biggest detraction of playing in Columbus right now is that it's an endless array of tumultuous decisions, poor management, and, I mean, okay, for this season alone, we had Aaron line on a couple weeks ago, and he's like, it hasn't just been the Babcock thing. Elvis Lickens mm-hmm. has publicly requested a trade, and they've kind of jerked him around from being like, you're in, you're our starting goalie. No, now you're our number three. No, now you're our starting goalie again. No, now you're our backup. Uh one of their top prospects, David Yurichek, he was visibly upset that he got demoted to the American League after they told him, Congrats, you made the team. Get an apartment in Columbus. <laughs> and then they're like, you know that apartment, you might want to sublet it or VRBO it or something because you're going back to where is it, Lake Erie or Cleveland or wherever. It's so the that- VRBO.
2: I thought it was Verbo.
0: Vacation rental by owner. I was calling it Verbo. I think you can call it Verbo. Mm-hmm but VRBO hey, have you seen Kazam? Yeah. VRBO does stand <laughs> he, he meant for Yeah. So they've got it's been a, it's an exhausting market from a hockey perspective. And that's the really interesting dynamic to me. The other really interesting thing is why did they fire Yarmo Kekalainen? Now, do we have Dan on the line? Okay, we're going to go now to NHL.com's Dan Rosen, who joins us on a morning where uh, there was some big news out of Columbus the dismissal of Yarmo Kekaline as general manager. Uh, Dan joins us now, courtesy of the Dispatch Plumbing Heating and Air Conditioning Hotline. Good morning, Daniel. How are you?
3: Good, guys. I think it's Verbo. I've always said Verbo, but the RBO, I guess, works too because it really is an acronym, right?
0: Yeah, I think they're interchangeable. I have heard Verbo okay. as well, but, yeah, I, I'm just, I was more cluing Andy into the fact that Verbo does stand for something. That Verbo is not a word someone made up. Anyway, uh, I got you. Uh, Columbus, Yarmo <laughs> Kekalainen, we've discussed it at length here. The question we wanted to start with you, and I'm not sure you might have the right answer, but take a stab at it anyway. Why now, February 15th, after the All-Star break, before the trade deadline, why do you think now they decided to make the move to change GMs in Columbus?
3: Well, I think the answer has to be that they didn't want Yarmo kick a line and to take them through the trade deadline, right? I mean, that maybe there was a difference of opinion within the front office there from ownership to JD to Yarmo on the direction this team should be going in at this deadline and beyond this deadline. And if there is, you, you know, and, and you don't agree if you're JD and you're the ownership and you don't agree with Yarmo's idea or his plan, and I'm just taking a stab at it, then now is the time to do it. Don't, don't allow him to take you through the deadline. Or, you know, if there's that difference of opinion, just, you know, cut ties now. Because, to be honest, it, the, with the way this season has gone, how it started with the Mike Babcock uh, fiasco, and now the way this season has gone, I didn't uh, – Yarma was on thin ice to begin with, I would imagine. And if there's any – you know, and the and the way – now it's it, things are going and especially at the deadline here if you don't like the direction he wants to go in well you got to cut ties and you got to let him go uh, i thought he was going to be let go anyway to be honest with you i thought he could have been let go the you know the moment that the babcock stuff went down like somebody had to be a fall guy for that and i thought it would be armo being the fall guy for that because he's the one that hired him right um but they do it now and the only thing i can really think of is because of the trade deadline stuff coming up and they didn't uh, want him to, him to take them through the trade deadline.
1: Uh, so John Davidson, along with the team's hockey ops management team, uh, will assume GM duties while the club goes through the process of hiring a re- replacement. That's according to the Blue Jackets team update. Um, in what way could the Blue Jackets be active at the trade deadline? I guess they've got a guy like Jack Roslevic, who is a pending UFA. Um, we were talking about Johnny Gaudreau and what they're going to do with him. That doesn't seem like a trade deadline discussion, but no. anything else that you could see? Uh, Boone, Boone
0: Jenner's name has been out there. Aaron Portsline just
1: wrote about yep. that for The Athletic. Right, yeah.
3: Yeah, Boone Jenner's name has been out there. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't want Boone Jenner with two years left on his deal at $3.75 million. That's terrific value. Although I don't know why if you're the Blue Jackets, you want to get rid of them either. So there's, there is that. Um, to me, like, the Blue Jackets are a really interesting team because there's a lot of young – like, what Yarmo has done is, is draft and, and, and pseudo-develop, right? I mean, they've, I think they've drafted pretty well, but they've got to get their development in order and bring some of these young guys in. We've seen some of the guys come in, Cole Cylinder, Kent Johnson, Marchenko, uh, check who you guys were just talking about—that's a little bit of an issue that that's got to get resolved, no question about it. Um, so I think they're in an interesting spot that they don't necessarily have to go out and trade only guys, you know, rentals for draft picks and prospects. Like they could be in the market for a bigger deal. The, the maybe the best trade chip that they think they might have is the is Elvis, is Elvis Merzlikens, mm-hmm. but I don't know what they get back for him. He's an underperforming goalie, borderline number one, signed to a big deal, who has already said he wants to be traded and has already asked for a trade, right? I mean, so I don't know where your bargaining position is on that one, but they're in a position where they don't necessarily have to go out and rebuild or retool. They can make a bigger move, and it doesn't have to happen now. Yeah, if Roslevic isn't going to be part of your future, fine, go trade him. He's a pending UFA. But otherwise, uh, I think that this is a team that could look very similar after the deadline as it does before the deadline, as it does right now, but really make significant uh, different changes, trading some of the prospects or draft picks that it might have to, to better itself immediately for next year. There's, there's only so much drafting and developing you can do. At some point, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, you've got to reward your fans with the team that you put on the ice that's a winner. They keep filling the building there. Mm-hmm. And, and those fans deserve something better than what they're getting.
1: We're hearing a similar tale out of Buffalo, that they might be ready to trade some of their prospects for players that yep. can help them win now. Now it's too late for Buffalo to make the playoffs this season, as it would be with Columbus. Um, what kind of moves do you think a team like Buffalo needs to make?
3: Well, listen, uh, it is very similar. Look, they What they don't need to do, if you're the Buffalo Sabres, what you don't need to do is you don't need to to continue to retool, rebuild, like I was just saying about Columbus. You've got a pretty good young cord there of players, and you've got a bunch of pending unrestricted free agents. Olafson, Gergensen, Doc Postle, Robinson, Eric Johnson, a lot of Erics, by the way, Eric Comrie. If if these guys are not going to be part of your team, if you don't see a future for them in Buffalo, get rid of them. Trade them as whatever you can get, right? And I'm not saying you'll be able to trade all of them, but trade them for what you can get. And then in the offseason, you really take a look at where you're at. You've got Dahleen. You've got Power. You've got Tage Thompson. You've got guys to build around. That, to Alex Tuck, right? You've got guys to build around. You have a goalie who you think can be a number one in Devin Levi. Get him a veteran backup, okay? Like, get a veteran backup in there and, and, and make that work for Devin Levi. And then what i would do is not trade away from what you have but add go out and make the big signing do the make the big splash it's another fan base that deserves it right i mean we keep the buffalo sabers just keep you know like just keep churning away and not going anywhere well that's not working but they also have a young core that you don't want to remove from because it looks like it could be promising it's just going through hard times build around that young core and trade the veteran guys now who are pending UFAs if they're not going to be a part of your team. We are speaking
0: to Dan Rosen, senior writer from NHL.com here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, Dan, this weekend, MetLife Stadium is going to be center stage. Home of the Jets and Giants will be home to the Devils and Flyers on Saturday and then the Islanders and Rangers on Sunday. I know you spoke with Rangers head coach Peter Laviolette uh, on the latest episode of the Rink Podcast. I also saw you tweeted out that, quote, Laviolette on coaching in the NHL is a must yeah. here Now, I encourage all of our listeners, when they're done with our show, of course, to go listen to your podcast and yeah, hear it for themselves. Course. Yeah, of course. But can
1: you yeah, kind of do, get... do it during the Merrick show or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. There's plenty of time <laughs> that you can listen to Dan Rosen's podcast. <laughs> what, what did Laviolette have to say that caught your ear? Well, it was, it was, well. I mean, about the, the outdoor
3: games, for one, I had to bring it up to him. He's, he's going to tie Joel Quenville for coaching in the most outdoor games. This will be his fifth, and he's 0-3-1. So I yeah, kind of said, like, hey, man. He goes, why do you got to bring that up? Why, why does that have to get brought up? But, you know, getting a win would be important for him for that as well, but more important for the Rangers and everything that they're doing. But in regards to coaching in the NHL, my, co- my, my co-host, Sean, Sean Roark, uh, who you guys know, was asked, I asked him about, you know, if he ever sort of has the moment of reflection, that he's been doing this for a long time. Do you ever reflect on where you're at and what you've been doing and he said, I don't reflect on what I've done. It's more along the lines of, holy crap, I'm still doing this. Right. And he's like, I'm 59 years old, going to be 60. It's every kid's dream where I grew up in Franklin, Massachusetts, to, to be in the NHL, right? He said, and then you go to college and you graduate and you're like, oh, I got to work. But I feel like I've ne-, and this is what I'm quoting him. He goes, I feel like I've never worked. Even though there's a lot of work that goes into coaching in the NHL, it feels like I'm still just playing a game, the game that my dad taught me when I was four years old. And he, he really has the moment of reflection of like, I can't believe that this is still happening for me, and I get to do all these cool things in a sport that I absolutely love. So I just thought it was really interesting perspective from a guy who's been around a long time, and we've seen the faces of Peter Laviolette, right, where it doesn't look like he's happy and things like that. But he is genuine in his love of you know doing what he's doing, and and really the the pinch me moment is every time he steps on the ice, uh, every time he steps on, behind the bench.
0: So speaking of getting to coach in the NHL, there's a good little narrative there because Lavie's going up against Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders on <laughs> Sunday. So Waugh is eight games back into his tenure in the NHL this time with the the Islanders it hasn't exactly moved the needle very much for the Isles. I know that there was a a bag skate yesterday in the hope to try and move the needle there. Do you think that with the fire and the brimstone and the passion and all the things that Patrick Waugh brings, is it going to be enough to get the Isles into the playoffs or is this team just simply not good enough to get there?
3: Well, I think they're good enough to be honest. I do. Their goaltending should be, um, they can score. Let's not, let's not discount that. They can score. What I think we've seen more than anything from the Islanders since Patrick has taken over is a focus so much on keeping the puck out of the net because that was an issue for them. Like, you remember under Barry Trotz, like, they couldn't score, but they can keep it out. They went all these two-to-one games. Well, it's not, a, it's not that type of league. You can't do that anymore and they've been better defensively except you know i mean take away uh, you know a few uh, games here and there the calgary game wasn't great they've been better defensively but he wants them to push he wants them to go he wants them to get up the ice and i and it's not going to happen overnight to where they can just immediately switch they were a passive team under lane lambert and they were a passive team a team under lane lambert for a year and a half and now it's like a complete reversal of what they want, and I think it just takes a little bit of time. I do think they're good enough to get in. The East is its wide open. It's just wide open there. Are the Devils there? whats I mean, the Flyers keep playing well. Is the bottom ever going to drop out on them? We thought it did, and now they're back. Um, it's wide open for them. The Islanders just need to, to figure out the style that Patrick wants them to play because I agree with him. If you can push in this league and you push for offense and they can do it, and you still stay within the structure, there's a lot of good that can come of it. The problem is the Islanders, when they push, they turn the puck over. Their defensemen turn it over a lot. And so that's why I think they're a little bit passive, because they were turning it over, and it just gets in your head. Well, they've got to be able to figure that out. I, I think they can. I think they have the talent to do it.
1: When will time officially run out on the Pittsburgh Penguins?
3: Um, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, honestly, uh, we talked about this, uh, you know, of course, after you listen to this show, go listen to the podcast, uh, the NHL at the Ring podcast. Sean and I discussed this, and and to me, Jake Gensel is the piece that you trade right now. Um, get, you, you have to, I'm not saying rebuild everything, tear it down. You know, you still have Crosby. I get that. But are you going to keep, you know, stuck in the mud because you have legendary players on your team that have done so much for you that you can't do that. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to the legendary players either, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know why you, you, okay, you're okay? you going to give Jake Gensel an eight year deal. I, I think Jake Gensel's is a terrific player. You're going to give him an eight year deal to make you any better than where you are right now. I don't think it does, you know, trading him doesn't, but it might make you better in a year or two. And yeah, okay. That's hard for 87 71 and 58 and you got carlson too right i understand that's hard but you gotta look at the bigger picture here if you're the penguins they haven't scored more than two goals in a game in 11 straight games they're going nowhere this season i think this is the opportunity for them to change it up a little bit
1: um was trading for Eric carlson a mistake
3: um No, I mean, maybe it might be just because he's another contract that you have to worry about on a, on an older player. It's hard to say trading for a guy who had a hundred points last year is a mistake. You know, um, I think he's still a really good player. And, and just because I'm saying trade Jake Gensel, doesn't mean you can't compete for a playoff spot next year.
1: You know, like, Hey,
3: I mean, if they go out and they sign him and they compete for, they'll still compete for a playoff spot this year. But, um, doesn't mean you can't compete for a playoff spot next year with Crosby and Malkin, Latang and Carlson. To me, it's just you, you just got to rejigger it around those guys a little bit. How you do that? That's not my job. That's Kyle Dubas' job, right? I don't want to say it's a mistake to go out and trade for Eric Carlson because I think what they were trying to do, and I agree with the sentiment that when you have Crosby and you have Malkin, you want to go for it. But you See what Malkin is right now. He's not the player he wants.
1: He's the the one that I notice the most that's fallen off. When I watch him, I'm like, he looks, I mean, he is old. He's he's 37, but he looks like he is quite often two steps behind. And if I'm addressing power play concerns, I'm looking at Malkin's spot on the power play. Right,
3: right. And so, to be honest with you, I think this goes back, and this is pre-Kyle Dubas, I think this goes back to Ron Hextall Buying in to the legends and the numbers that are going to go up in the rafters and re signing Malkin to the three year deal or a three or four year deal and re signing Latang and trying to run it back. That was the moment. That was the opportunity where you say, Thank you very much. You guys were absolutely unbelievable. You will forever be Pittsburgh sports heroes, but we have to make a change. And Sorry, Sydney, we have to make the change because we're not going anywhere. They didn't do that, and now look at where they are. They missed the playoffs last year, and they're probably, unless they get their game together here, even with a terrific coach, going to miss, and good defense and goaltending, going to miss the playoffs again this year.
0: Dan, this was great, buddy. Hey, are you working the Stadium Series games this weekend?
3: Yes, I am. I'll be there both days. I'm actually going to go out there for the Islanders practice today before I head over to Madison Square Garden. Be there tomorrow for the Flyers, Devils, and Rangers practices, and then I'll be at the games on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Right on. Enjoy buddy. Should be fun. Thanks for doing this.
3: All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's Dan Rosen, senior writer from NHL.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on SportsNet 650. Also, the host of the Rank podcast with another one of our longtime buddies from NHL.com, Sean Rourke. Check it out. They go on up there right now.
1: It's with uh, Andre Palat and Peter Laviolette. Random stat. Yes. Gino's shooting percentage on the power play, wow, okay, is five point seven percent. Feels low. It's little... it's it's very low. Yeah, it's almost milk. Like Petey's almost twenty percent. Miller's nineteen percent. Um, like Philip Hironik is thirteen percent. And when you watch the Penguins' power play, Gino is shoot is still shooting, but they're not quality shots. Like this isn't just a run of bad luck for him. He's out there just flinging the puck on net. And you're like, ugh, it's hard to watch. Um, If Jake Gensel is seriously injured, and in
0: case you're just getting caught up with the show or you didn't listen to the first hour and a half, uh, the Penguins suffered a double loss last night. They lost the game 5-2 to Florida. That's their third loss in a row. They also lost Jake Gensel to an upper body injury in the third period. Uh, He didn't return. And Mike Sullivan didn't have an update following the game, just said he's going to be evaluated. If they lose him and they're unable to move him prior to the deadline. Yikes. And they miss the playoffs. And then he just walks for free. Could you imagine? That is a worst, worst, worst case scenario Mm -hmm. for Kyle Dubas. Yeah. And then you're looking back on it and you're saying, why didn't we jump on this earlier? Or why didn't we make a decision earlier? Because the big thing in Pittsburgh that we've heard was, well, we got time. We're going to take it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to maybe go into the All-Star break and make a decision there, and then lo and behold, there wasn't any decision made. They obviously haven't come to an agreement on an extension. Everything has just been wait, 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 and you, you, we've heard countless NHL executives, including one of them that was employed here in Vancouver for a long time, talking about, well, if you're given the time, use the time. If you have the time, take the time. In
1: the case of Pittsburgh, though, I did agree with them taking their time because I think the East is wide open, and if they could find their game and make the playoffs, I thought they had an outside chance it's of just, at least making a run. But I, but but this was always the risk. Yeah, like I'm just framing know? it as yeah. like there's no, no free, for sure.
0: There's no risk-free decision in the National Hockey League, really. This is one of the ones where unless you're going to do the um, put them on ice like Jacob Ch- Chikrin, and by ice I mean not actually on the ice, but you put them up in the press box for six or eight weeks, this is the risk that you run. Now, again, we have no update out of Pittsburgh yet. We're obviously keeping an eye on that and all the different trade targets across the NHL as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty, we got an open segment so we can dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. A reminder: get your What We Learns in now. We're going to be doing them at eight thirty. Drance is going to join us at eight o'clock. Uh, we've still got about an hour and a half of programming left. If you want to preview tonight's game, Canucks and Red Wings, we can do that. If you want to go around the NHL, we can do that as well. If you want to go outside the hockey sphere. We can do that as well. Open segment coming up. You're listening to the Halford & Breath show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drantz. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delary Acura dealer today. I don't know what's going on with this music.
2: Jag picked it. I didn't want to stop.
0: In fact, I encouraged it. I mean, it's not bad. It's caught my attention, so it's very grabbing. I'm just, we don't have never...
1: enough. Is that is that a cl- that's, that's a clarinet. A clarinet? Yeah,
0: clarinet,
2: it, it yeah. kind
1: of gives me Godfather
2: vibes with the hip
1: hop. Yeah, oh, I
0: had uh, like funhouse vibes. Okay, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> turn sort turn of, it up, Jay. Keep it going. Some
0: sort of house of mirrors that you're walking through. Yeah, yeah. I can see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's that over there? Oh, yeah. it's me.
2: It's a funhouse if <laughs> if ran by the Godfather. Right, right.
1: What's that over there? Oh, damn it, that's a hitman. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're asking too many <laughs> it's questions,
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, hour two of this program. We are smack in the middle of it. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full of flavor without compromise. Get some at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. we got an open segment here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Quick recap. Big news of the day. Yarmo Kekalainen out in Columbus. He was fired about an hour ago. Uh, the new general manager who is the existing president of hockey ops, John Davidson is not only going to take over GM duties. He's going to meet with the media in an hour. I guess we'll get some answers to our questions, including why now Dan Rosen from NHL.com just came on the show and said, probably so that Yarmo doesn't take this team through the trade deadline and uh, inflict further damage on the organization. He didn't say that I'm paraphrasing, but it was a tough end uh, for Yarmo and a tumultuous Last few months, uh, punctuated by the very, very mishandled uh, Mike Babcock hire and a series of acquisitions for agent signings that just haven't gone their way. So that was the big news of the morning. Uh, we've got an open segment here. We'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650,
1: 650. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, we got an unsigned text here. It says, Listening to your Dan Rosen interview reminds me of when Trevor Linden was with Canucks management, and he said he wasn't going to rebuild because he owed it to the Sedins. Yeah, he said, I couldn't go into that room and tell the Sedins we were going to tear it down. Uh, The texter continues, look how long that delayed the rebuild of the Canucks. Pittsburgh is in the same spot. Hopefully they learn from the Canucks. I think Pittsburgh was in a slightly different spot. Like I think they had a better team and better prospects of competing Um, heading into this season. I still think the Eric Carlson trade was a mistake because I think they spent too much cap space on a player that, frankly, was a little bit redundant with Chris Letang already there. I think that would have been better allocated cap space elsewhere in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they could have done better with that. Um, I think they're slightly better than the record, too. It's just, for whatever reason... Um, their power play has been terrible. If their power play was was fine, uh, I think they could be in a playoff spot. I mean, right do we, now,
0: do we need to address the? I don't even want to But the, say obvi-
1: the sorry, just just yeah. just yeah, yeah, let me, yeah, yeah, just going, go uh, the obvious team for me is if you're talking about we owe it to this certain player, that's the Washington Capitals with Alex Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. Like no team should be bigger than your franchise. But unfortunately, in Washington, Alex Ovechkin kind of has been bigger than your franchise. He's the reason that that franchise is worth so much money. Yeah. Here's the thing with the. But that's not that wasn't the case in Vancouver.
0: OK, God, I the first I saw this text, too, and I appreciate the sentiment. But look, it's hard to compare those two scenarios. And I'm just going to I'm going to say this as someone who loves Daniel and Hendrix Sedin. And admired the work that they did here and is forever indebted to the great hockey memories that they gave me and Vancouver as a franchise. There's a difference between Daniel and Hendrick Sedin to the Canucks and Crosby and Malkin to the Penguins. Totally. I'm sorry. No, the, I'm sorry.
1: 100%. Okay. Like, now there's another 100%. 98%. 98%. You can yeah. be a 98% guy. That's okay. cool.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I again, I don't want to be that guy, and I know what you're trying to say in the text, but... There is a certain you do owe Crosby and Malkin another kick the can to a certain degree. They brought you cups,
1: mm-hmm.
0: multiple Stanley Cups. Crosby's going to go down as one of the best what five players in NHL history, depending on who you're arguing with. He's in that conversation, and again, I I hate because anytime you say all due respect to preface a statement, usually someone's getting disrespected. But all due respect to Daniel and Henrik, they're just they're not in that vein, that mold, that territory.
1: And the Sidines weren't as good as Sid is at this. Right now, he's still an incredible player. Exactly. Yeah.
0: He's having another unbelievable season. Mm -hmm. Right? So, it's not meant to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. But I have more time for the argument that you owe it to the Penguins' core, specifically Crosby and Malkin, than you had owed it to the Sineens with Linden. I appreciate the sentiment, though.
1: Uh, Jay and North Delta, we were talking once again about the lack of – quality rivalries in the NHL. And we had that conversation with Luke Gazdick. um, And, you know, no matter what you think about uh, what happened uh, between the Sens and the Leafs with Ridley Greig, Greg, and Morgan Riley, and where you felt on that, um, it certainly is going to up the rivalry and is certainly going to add to the next time that Toronto and Ottawa play. I guess the problem is, is when do they play again? Do they play again this next, season? Next season. Next season, yeah. right? So Jay in North Delta text in, Jay, could the problem with rivalries, he's texting me, be the schedule? Hmm. Look how charged that last Oilers game was, and now they go 60 games without playing. We're almost at the trade deadline, and the Canucks haven't played the Kings yet, and the divisions are too big to build those rivalries in the playoffs. In my opinion, they need to play their divisional teams more and live with the schedule where you don't get every team in your building every year. Could so be, could be something to it. That, no, there is. Yeah.
2: 98%. And go back to the old playoff format at the same time. Okay,
1: so how would going back to the old playoff format – Because it's good. Which old playoff format? Which one are you talking about? Uh,
2: Well, the one that was around when I was a kid. So the worst team, well, the worst. The eighth team plays the first seed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay,
1: so the one that I had as a kid was one versus four in the division, two versus three, and they tried to bring that back. Yeah. And there were complaints, so they kind of did like a – You know, like they they did, they tried to get the best of both worlds. And the reason they brought back originally, remember, it was 1 4, 2 3, and then the PA complained, a bunch of fans complained because of a fairness issue, which I understand. Um, What if you've got a really good division versus a very bad division, and that would happen regularly? You know, the Canucks would sneak into the playoffs with like an awful record in fourth. Meanwhile, maybe a team in the Patrick division, which had six teams. One team could be decent, and they would get screwed. They'd be out of the playoffs. At any rate, the NHL recognizes this, and that's why they tried to go to that format. Correct. But to create rivalries, to create constant matchups in the playoffs like we had in the 80s when the Flames and the Oilers would play a lot— and the Oilers and the Jets would play a lot. Well, actually, more specifically, the Oilers would eliminate the Jets a lot. Let's be clear. Right? Like, yeah. And so you would have these rivalries that would be created, but the league is just too big now. and There's too many teams. There's too many teams, and creating these rivalries is just too difficult. And they recognize it, but they also know that they're like, yeah, but expansion money is also pretty awesome, right? So right, the, I, the, the, I, well, I, I think the problem with rivalries, look at NFL. Look at how the NFL does it, right? There are still great rivalries in the NFL, and most of them are interdivision rivalries. There's because, a, lot, there's a because lot of history they, there,
0: right? There's the classic AFC North battles and all that cause stuff. Because they play right? each other all a the lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Think of how much of a, a schedule is taken up. You play each of your division rivals twice, uh-huh. and then you've got only 11 other games. That's
0: it. Yep. No, I, I. here's the thing, though. The biggest difference, I think, between the NHL and the NFL in this regard is that the, the NFL's rivalries are made in part because of the regular season. NHL rivalries are made during the playoffs. That's why they've tried to put these playoff matchups together so that you see some divisional opponents along the way.
1: It just hasn't worked out. Well, think think of the last real rivalry that the Canucks had. It was with Chicago. Yeah, that was over. Because they played them, but they played them three times in a row in in the playoffs. And And the the third one, the Canucks, you know, overcame the Blackhawks and and they won it in spectacular fashion. uh And that rivalry lived on for a little while until the Canucks fell apart and the Blackhawks were like, we need. Rivals. Yeah, I, like,
2: I agree with Grimace and Ladner. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm assuming not the McDonald's That's, character. That is a uh, sentence you can only get on the Halford and Brough show. I agree <laughs> with Grimace from Ladner.
2: He said, "Do not go back to playing your divisional rivals eight times per year. It was too much. It was terrible and boring. Four to five is perfect. It was. It was. Too I, many I agree. Times. Like I didn't remember want... the
1: Canadian division during the pandemic. Yeah. You're like, and, and I, I mean, cough, like the time we,
2: I feel like every other game we played the Coyotes and they were obviously bad then too. Mm. And it's just like I, this is not
1: entertaining to me. It's uh, a tough problem. for But the NHL. I still <laughs> want to
2: see one versus eight, two versus seven. Three versus six in the playoffs, et cetera. But that's lo- not
1: going to create more rivalries. That's going to create not necessarily, two.
2: but it's fun. It's like it's like the best team gets awarded with the worst team, but then Fine. there's also the chance that the worst team could upset the best team, which makes for great storylines. I think Fine. we
0: also need to address the the argument here that no matter what the schedule is, it's not going to create rivalries because the players are too friendly with one another anyway, like, and the game I, is less violent. I don't think do any- we have to
2: make the players hate each other more.
0: I don't think any janking of the schedule is going to erase the fact that half these guys played together in the GTHL and they're best friends off the ice, right? And yeah. the the,
1: and the nature of the game has fundamentally changed. Exactly. Fundam- go, go back and watch some highlights from the 80s and the 90s. The game is played differently. And you need... Way
0: differently. Well, now you almost need individual powder keg guys to have a rivalry. You need Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane and Brad Marchand and Tom Wilson and a handful of guys that are going to make things happen. To have a rivalry. I mean, who are the two? You remember when the Battle of Alberta rekindled, the two key elements to it, to be honest, were Zach Cassian and Matthew Kachuk. Neither of them play for the teams anymore. They're both gone from Alberta. So it's, mm-hmm. that. and that was the thing. It's like once those guys left, who was picking up the slack? Like, who there who, aren't enough
1: villains in the NHL. Well, an alarming but uh, but villainy is often created by violence. And we don't want violence, but what Ryan Reeves said the other day, he's like, make hockey violent again. And you know, your, your brain's like, that's, that's wrong. We don't want people getting hurt on the ice, but it does create rivalries. Yeah. So it is that, you know, you go back and forth. Um, That's why a lot of us who are kind of my age and, and older, we're like, hockey was awesome when we were so innocent, Sure. and we're like, no one gets hurt in a fight. Everyone's happy, and they then we realize, the oh, actually, people's lives are altered because they fight too much in the NHL. I got some uh, news to pass along, by the way. Oh, okay. curious. Sure. Uh,
0: Sportsnet's very own NHL insider Elliot Friedman reporting. Word out of Chicago is that Connor Bedard is checking with doctors about the possibility of playing tonight. Against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Bedard's been sidelined for an awfully long time, with a fractured jaw suffered way back in what was it, early January, if I am not mistaken, against the New Jersey Devils on a hit by Brendan Smith. So has missed a bunch of games in the aftermath. He's been on the sidelines for over five weeks. I know that he had returned to practice in a non-contact variety. I am a little surprised. That they're trying to rush him back. I imagine he's just got to be champing at the bit. He's like, now I've been watching. He's probably
1: the one trying to rush back. Now I've been
0: watching us play, Luke Richardson, my head coach, and uh, we don't
1: score any goals. I feel like I Mm could remedy that. And I was listening to the Halford and Bruff show on uh, my hometown Sportsnet 650 yesterday, as I do every day. Every morning. They were talking about Brock Faber maybe stealing the calder from me.
0: Good point. I didn't even think about that. Brock (laughs) Faber. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so anyway, no word if it'll happen or not, but Freeze reporting that Connor Bedard could return to the lineup tonight against Pittsburgh.
1: Here's another text into the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Hey, guys, I'm curious to find out what you think about this. If the Canucks were at, to add another qualified top six forward like a Frank, Frank Vetrano, and before Dollywell texts me, I understand that you've said that the Canucks have not shown interest in Frank Vetrano. Okay. This is called an example, Rick. Okay. Who do you think... Would be the casualty to come out of the lineup at this point on the fourth line, assuming that the top six forward bumps Ilya McAev down the roster. Well, Ilya McAev has already been bumped down the roster. There's uh, more bumping. Listen, there's some guys that could come out. Sam Lafferty's already come out. Yep. Um Giuseppe has come out. And also, you have to take into account injuries. I think one of the reasons that the Canucks are bringing in Phil Kessel is they recognize, hey, we've been pretty lucky with injuries. Uh, What if that luck runs out a little bit? Extremely fortunate. Um, They're taking a look at Phil Kessel. Uh, There's no guarantee that they'll sign him. We talked about Kessel earlier in the show. They've got a multi-point plan for Kessel. I'm sure he's going to have to meet some checkpoints. Like, are you in shape now? What about now? Okay. Uh, how have you been playing in the AHL? If you're going to get into AHL games, how do you look, um, where are you going to fit in the lineup? Uh, you know, could you possibly help on the second unit power play? Could you possibly slot in with, uh, Elias Petterson Because we're still looking for guys to play with Petey? I still don't see the fit for Phil Kessel. But maybe with an injury, I'm like, oh, hey, I see a fit. It's right there to replace that injured
0: guy. So on the subject of Phil Kessel, in hour one of the show, by the way, download the hour one podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Petco, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we talked about the article that Patrick Johnson had. He did a one-on-one, one-on-one interview with Jim Rutherford, mostly about Phil Kessel. But within that interview, uh, Jim Rutherford made it abundantly clear that the Canucks are not done adding ahead of the March 8th deadline. He said, I don't think it'll be hard when he was asked if the Canucks will face any challenges in adding another player or two to the mix. All he said was, quote, it's about the cost and weighing what a player would bring. So here's the sort of skinny on this from Peege. The Canucks have roughly 2.6 million in cap space to work with. Depending on how they can manipulate, like, bringing Mark Freeman or an extra defenseman up or down, a number eight guy. Uh, Kessel would be signed, I presume to a league minimum salary that we prorated because he'd only sure. be playing a handful of games. So he's not going to impact that very much. So the Canucks do have the opportunity, the cap space and the desire, I think is the big thing to add pieces. Now, Vitrano might end up being, and it's crazy saying this about Frank Vitrano, who is a good player admittedly, but he might be too rich for their blood because of, Two things. One, how many other teams still need to go uh, shopping at the deadline? And then two, how that might drive up the price of a Vetrano. Like He's he,
1: also got another year on his contract, which does comp- complicate things Sure, he's not things, a pure a rental, bit, right? Yeah.
0: And he's an all-star. Mm-hmm. I mean, by way of the fact that Anaheim had to send somebody. But he's still an all-star. I have
2: okay? a question for you guys. <laughs> yeah, what's Sort up? of spurred on by this texture? I know we talked about it a little bit. But do you think Ilya Mikheyev might be a trade chip for the Canucks at the deadline? See, I... Chip? No. Trade I don't... As possibility? i someone to move for a... Use whatever word you want for a defenseman or another... I, or I feel
1: like a for lot of... cap the, space? Cap space, sure. Create cap space first and then go out and inquire somewhere? Sure. Well, mm-hmm. I don't see why they wouldn't explore it. I don't think anything should be off the table.
0: But I also think that the criticisms... That are have been lobbed at Mikheyev from our listeners, who I do appreciate, but you're all way off on this one. Why? He hasn't been doing anything. He is. He was miscast in his role. Okay, but that start. doesn't change anything. And he's coming off uh, not just a torn ACL, but a torn ACL that he played half the year on. So how does that change this season? I don't it's think st- he's at 100. percent
1: Okay, but 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 yeah. But and then but, they foisted him into a role that was above his head. Fine. All that stuff is totally unfair to Ilya Mikheyev. It still represents a problem that the Canucks have to solve. I think he can be a very adequate bottom six forward.
0: Is he worth the money Is he he worth the money to do that, though? But that's, I mean, that's... It it
1: matters, man. They signed him two years ago. Mike, here's a question. Yeah? If you could clear Mikheyev's cap space right now, would you do it? I already said. That they should have everything on the table, yeah. McAve included. So if yeah. you could clear his cap space right now, and obviously you would I just said get... that
0: I think the criticisms are, 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 are
1: somewhat fine. unfair. fine. Yeah. I think everyone recognizes that he's been through a lot, and he was probably miscast as a top six guy, and it's really hard to come back from the type of injury that he has. But it's kind of like it's besides the point. I get it. It's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Like, w- w- whether or not it's unfair, you, 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 you're, you're not like, you know what? We're going to keep you because uh, the criticism has been unfair. We if feel you bad could, for you, so we're not If you here. could clear that cap space, you would do it. Yeah,
0: uh, Jordan and Van with an early what we learned, but also a question for us. And this was actually something we talked about earlier in the show as well. Uh, Spit and Chicklets had a Manning cast live broadcast last night in the States. That's right. On TNT, they did their version of the Manning cast for the Penguins-Panthers game. So he's asking about like the, uh, us being SportsNet and the rights holder, doing an alternate broadcast. Here's the thing. This is just a personal anecdote and perspective, but I don't love the Manning cast thing. I don't love the side I find it distracting.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't and I don't know if this is because I'm old. I think I think part of it is because we're old. I, I don't know how people can watch a hockey game or any sort of sports game, but also have a secondary screen with commentary. Like that, that's just, that's just too much for me. I have, I have the hockey game going yeah, or any game and I have social media and I scroll, but it's not making sounds and it's not talking at me. Um, but if younger people are used to that or that's what they want, then we should give it to them it's because, the we, generation. because yeah. I want younger people to keep watching hockey regardless of what you know, my how thought. It's presented. Okay.
0: That's not a that my thought is a little bit different than that. I think the, the idea and the concept can work, but I don't think anyone's executing it properly right now. To me, it just sounds like people talking over the game. It's like you're, if you were to go to a Super Bowl party and, and there was two people sitting there talking the entire time about, I don't know, just Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. But if it was Peyton Manning talking, I might be like, Oh,
0: that's the thing, <laughs> but that's why I mean again, that's why professional broadcasters why is are. Peyton Manning at our Super Bowl party. Yeah, that's nice. so cool. He's making sliders. Um, hey, Peyton, um, shh. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. On, I'm trying to watch the game. Buddy. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. shh. I want to hear what happens. That's why professional broadcasters are professional broadcasters, right? Yeah.
1: And th- and that's why Tony Romo, by the way, is getting a lot of criticism because he was over talking.
0: Exactly. Right. Mm. You want the guy to be colorful and have personality-driven analysis, but also you're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Let us watch the game. Okay, uh, final hour of the program coming up. we got Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Canuckstock right here on Sportsnet 650. And we're going to dive back into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket and read your What We Learns. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.